morning, South Suburban. It's good to see you guys today. As uh, Pastor Joe said last week about this time, he said, you know, Scripture says wherever two or more are gathered, and we weren't sure that we were going to reach that quota last week, and uh, he, he nailed it. Uh, we're so good to see you guys today, and what a beautiful day it is outside. Um, we are starting our series on the Lord's prayers, as Pastor Michael said. Uh, prayer is an essential part of the Christian faith. In fact, Martin Luther once said that to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. It's got to be a part of who we are, and it's, it's essential to who we are. Prayer is also very, very powerful, and we're going we're gonna to dive into this today. Scripture tells us in Ephesians 6 that we should be praying at all times. We should be praying in all seasons. We should be praying without ceasing. It's clear that, that we need to recognize the importance of prayer and that we take it seriously. There was a missionary back in the 1800s, Hudson Taylor, who once said, when we work, we work. When we pray, God works. We need to take prayer seriously. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, it's important that you don't take yourself too seriously. Now, now hear me on this, okay? It's not in the poetic words that you use. It's not in the volume of your speaking. It's not in the title in front of your name that makes prayer powerful. It's who you're speaking to. It's the object of our prayers that give them power. Max Licato wrote, Our prayers may be awkward and our attempts may be feeble at times, but the power of prayer is found in the one who hears it, not in the one who says it. The power of prayer that we're talking about is found in the one that we're praying to. Now, I've found that, by and large, most people get really nervous about praying, especially if it's praying out loud. People feel awkward oftentimes. I remember um, a lot of times growing up, some intimidating times of being sucked into what's called a prayer circle. Has anybody ever been a part of a prayer circle where you, you gather, you hold hands, and then you go around the circle and everybody prays, and when you're done praying, you squeeze the hand of the person next to you to let them know it's their turn. How many of you guys have been a part of that before? All right. So you guys know the setting in which I'm talking right now. I remember uh, being very new to the faith and, and still trying to explore, like learning who this God is that, that loves me so dearly and, and struggling with the fact that I didn't really feel like I knew how to pray. And I was a pretty young kid and uh, being a part of one of those prayer circles, I remember as we started the prayer circle that I was starting to rehearse what I was going to say because I didn't know. Anybody else been there before? I'm thinking, I'm not even listening to what people are praying. I'm thinking about what I'm going to say because I'm nervous. And then the person right next to me, it's my turn next, but I tune in just enough to hear them pray the same things that I've been practicing, right? And so then when it's my turn to pray, he squeezes my hand and I just pass it on. I just squeeze it right around, right around the circle there. Sometimes, I, I get this, sometimes we get intimidated. We get nervous about not praying the right way. It, it, it makes us a little bit nervous. People are, are oftentimes a little bit uncomfortable. And that's one of the reasons why we find great comfort in memorized prayers, because in memorized prayers, it takes the nervousness out by putting words in our mouth for us. My kids used to memorize phrases growing up. 
not entire prayers, but certain phrases. And then they would pile those phrases together into different settings and different, um, different prayers. But I could tell when they had actually disengaged from their prayer and simply began reciting memorized phrases because when it's time for bed and we're praying for a good night's sleep and they say, uh, Jesus, please bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. And I'm like, listen, you're not here. You're not engaged in the prayer. Um, I, I think it's one of the reasons why Jesus warned us against empty repetitions in Matthew chapter six. He, he said, be careful that your prayers don't become just empty repetitions where you've actually disengaged from the words that you're speaking. Again, memorized prayers certainly have a powerful place. In fact, memorized prayers is how we're able to join together as a body and pray as one. At the end of the service today, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. For many of you, you've memorized it. It's a powerful opportunity for us to speak with one voice together. That's the power of memorized prayer. In fact, my guess is that you probably memorized a few prayers growing up. How many of you guys memorized certain prayers growing up? I remember some of the mealtime prayers. God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for this food. And, and didn't matter what we were eating. Didn't matter what meal it was. That was kind of an automated prayer. And yours may have been similar to that, a little bit different vernacular, but there's memorized prayers. In the Old Testament, they used to memorize prayers. There's the prayer of the Shema, which you would recognize certain passages in this prayer. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Part of the, the prayer of the Shema, a memorized prayer. Nighttime prayers. How many of you guys ever prayed, now I lay me down to sleep? That is the creepiest prayer I've ever heard. If you've just think about it. Okay, anyway, let's, let's move on. Listen, here, here's where I need to go. Here's where I need to go. Jesus' disciples actually grew up memorizing prayers. They knew prayers. But the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, that one day Jesus was praying, and when he finished praying, his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, again, the disciples, they knew prayers, but after hearing Jesus pray, they said, Lord, Teach us to pray like that. Teach us to pray like that. And Jesus responded with what we call today the Lord's Prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer because it was a prayer that our Lord Jesus taught us to pray. And many people around the world know the Lord's Prayer. It's spoken around the world in many different languages, yet so few people actually use it to its potential. And that's what I want to talk about today. Most think that it's a prayer that we're simply to recite. And again, it's not a bad thing to recite memorized prayers. But this prayer that Jesus taught them was not a memorized prayer per se. Jesus never intended for you to only recite this prayer. In fact, when he, when he was teaching it, he didn't say pray this prayer. He said pray like this. Pray like this. Some passages, some translations say, pray in this manner. He didn't say, pray this prayer. He said, pray like this. According to Jesus, this prayer wasn't what you should pray. It was how you should pray. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that we lift up the beauty of memorizing this and reciting it together. And on the other hand, we also want to recognize there's more to it. Jesus was actually trying to teach some principles here that we're going to look at. 
See, Jewish rabbis in those days, they would teach using outlines in all different shapes and all different kinds of manners and, and forms here. So when his disciples asked him how to teach them to pray, Jesus laid out a pattern and principles for them to follow. He taught them this outline for effectual prayer. And that's what our first point is in our, in our bulletin today, in our notes, is that this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is an outline for effectual prayer that Jesus laid out for us. It's found in Luke chapter 11. It's also found in Matthew chapter 6. Those are called parallel passages. All right, Parallel passages communicate the same things, but oftentimes using different words. And when you go to parallel passages, you can pull out um, detail that one of those passages might mention that the other one doesn't. But you can put those together and you can, you can learn a lot from these parallel passages. So throughout this series, we're actually going to use both of these passages, Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6. Today, I want us to start with Matthew chapter 6. It's in your bulletin there. You're also going to see it on the screen. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. We're going to look at this together today. I want us to uh, acknowledge one thing as we, as we step into this and we, we read this prayer that's in your, um, in your notes and also on the screen. The prayer that we pray at the end of our service today, that we have prayed um, during the middle of our service uh, for, for a lot of years, or how, I don't even know how long, but as long as I've been here, th this service has prayed this prayer. It's not a single translation the prayer that you guys have memorized and pray. It's actually a combination of translations that you guys have put together. So if you're somebody who says, like, I'm King James only, it's not a King James prayer. If you're an NIV only, it's not an NIV prayer. This is actually the prayer that we pray each week is actually a combination of a couple translations. Um, I don't know who did that in this church. It's not wrong. There, there's nothing wrong with that. Here's what I want to point out about it. There are certain words that really resonate with us, aren't they? There are certain words that we really like. The, the, the phrase that we're going to talk about today, this word, hallowed. There's something about that word that I really like. We'll talk about it in a little bit. So when I pray the Lord's Prayer, I like a translation that includes hallowed. The phrase, the, the translation that we use on a regular basis or the prayer that we pray on a regular basis talks about um, forgive us of our sins. Most translations, over 90% of the translations out there say forgive us of our debts. The King James says forgive us of our debts. But we like the, the one that, that says forgive us of our sins. There's nothing wrong with taking some of those and combining them together. So I want to acknowledge that as we step out. The, the prayer that we have prayed for, for so long here is actually a combination of translations. And what we're going to look at today is not exactly like the prayer that we pray on Sunday mornings, typically, because we've, we've changed out thy for your, thine for your. But I want us to follow along here. I'm going to read this for you, and it's, again, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, and it says this, pray then like this, our Father who art in heaven hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Today, we're going to look at the very first sentence in the Lord's Prayer. The sermon today is entitled, The Person of Prayer. And this, this prayer starts out with this, uh, with this sentence, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, that word hallowed that I talked about just a, a little bit ago could be pronounced hallowed or hallowed. It's kind of like blessed or blessed. Same word pronounced a little bit differently. A five-year-old girl was memorizing the Lord's Prayer, and she was reciting it for her proud parents, and she said, Our Father who does art in heaven, Howard be thy name. I mean, how many of you guys struggled as kids as you were trying to understand some of the vernacular in this beautiful and poetic prayer? Jesus began by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's important to recognize that in the initial phrases that Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, he fixes our gaze not on ourself, but on our God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I want to break this phrase down as we, uh, as we go through our sermon today. We're going to take little pieces of this, and the first one that we're going to look at is simply these words, our Father. Our Father. And I want us to recognize that when we speak these words, we begin by connecting relationally with God. And that's the first step. The first principle in prayer is connecting relationally with God. God's your Father. There's an intimate, loving relationship there. And Jesus, when he was speaking to Mary after his resurrection, he said, go find my brothers and tell them that I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. See, we're part of a family. Jesus said that, that he's our brother and that God is our Father. And when we pray, we should start by just acknowledging and celebrating our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Parents, do you remember when your kids were little and they would crawl up in your lap just to be with you? They didn't want anything. They just wanted to be with you. One of the greatest feelings in the world. Now, as my kids have grown older, a lot of times they'll walk in the room and the first thing out of their mouth is what they want. And if it's not, if they walk in and they say, Dad, I just love you, my first response is, what do you want? <laughs> Some, sometimes... We, we recognize, we've grown accustomed to that, and yet there is something so beautiful about your child just wanting to be with you. There's no hidden agenda. There's no, I want something. It's just, I want to be with you. My kids, even though they've grown a little bit older, Brooklyn, who's seven, um, our youngest, um, last year, she wrote me a, a play date invitation. She had not gotten to be with her daddy in quite a while, just the two of us. And so I came into my office and I found a, an a invitation that she had written and colored, and it was inviting me to a play date with her, just the two of us. She just wanted to, to be together. My son, Braden, who likes to, to watch the Broncos and other, um, other teams that we won't mention, um, He'll say, Dad, can we watch the game together? Would you sit with me? Can we watch the game together? My daughter, Addison, who just turned 14, oftentimes she'll still walk in the room when I'm studying and just sit on top of whatever I have on my lap 
don't know if you guys had any kids like that at all, but it's like, um, I don't know what you're working on, but it's not as important as I am, and I'm just sitting right here, just wants to be with me. And there is something so touching about that as a parent that you say, you realize, my child just wants to be with me. You know, when you go to God, oftentimes we get in this habit of going straight to business. And Jesus said, it's best to start out just connecting with your father relationally. You could, you could pray in this way, saying, God, I thank you that you're my father, that I'm your child. I know I've done nothing to deserve this amazing privilege. But because of your great love for me, I'm adopted into your family. Just connecting with God relationally. Your relationship with your father is one of great love and great favor. So let's look at the next few words. Jesus teaches us, after our father, he says, who art in heaven? <laughs> who art in heaven? Who, who lives, who dwells above, who dwells in heaven? And we move now into acknowledging the sovereignty of God. We go from connecting relationally with him to acknowledging the sovereignty of God. There's numerous scriptures throughout the Bible that point to this. Both Isaiah 40 and Psalm 29 tell us that the Lord sits enthroned above all creation and that he is the eternal king. See, when we pray the words, our father, it reminds us that God is our dad who loves us dearly. When we pray the words, who art in heaven, it reminds us that he is the sovereign ruler of all. And do you see why we go to him? Do you see why we pray to him? Our heavenly father is the sovereign ruler who sits enthroned as the king over all eternity. That's why we go to him. So again, when we pray in this model that Jesus is demonstrating for us, we say, God, you're all powerful. Your throne is in heaven and you reign above the earth. Your majesty is not just for a moment, but it's eternal. And I come to you not only because you love me, as your child, but because you have authority over all things. This is the outline that Jesus is modeling for us. And you remember that the person that you're lifting your prayers up to is your loving dad who happens to be the king of heaven and earth. And that's how this prayer starts. Let's look at the last phrase in this opening sentence that Jesus modeled for us. This is, again, one of my favorite uh, parts of this, uh, this prayer, hallowed be your name, <laughs> hallowed. Now, my guess is that the only time you ever use that word is in this prayer, that it's not part of your normal vernacular. In fact, the Greek word for hallowed appears in the New Testament 30 times, but it's only translated as hallowed twice, Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. Every other time, that same word that they translate as hallowed is translated as sanctify, set apart. Same thing happens. That's in the New Testament. The same thing happens in the Old Testament. The same Hebrew word is translated as hallowed and sanctify. Let me give you an example. Leviticus chapter 22, verse 32 says, You shall not profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the children of Israel I am the Lord who sanctifies you. The word hallowed and sanctifies are the exact same Hebrew word. They're just translated differently. 
So this, this word, hallowed, means holy. Pastor Drew talked about that as he opened up today. It, it means holy. In fact, you're going to see that this is one of those words, hallowed. It's one of those words in the Bible that wants to cram a whole phrase into one word. It, there, it, there's so much richness. There's so much in that one word. A translation of the Greek is, may your name be held holy. In other words, hallowed means May you be revered and respected because of who you are. May your character and your reputation be honored and kept untarnished. May you be known as the holy God that you are. That's what the word hallowed means. And as we mentioned, in the New Testament, the word is usually translated as sanctify, which means to be pure and righteous and set apart from all that is impure and all that is unholy, God is hallowed in that he is set apart from all evil. There is no evil in him. He is completely separated from it. So to hallow his name, to hallow God's name, is to proclaim the holiness of God. And this is the next step that Jesus talks about. In fact, in many translations of the Bible, our our Father in heaven, it says, our Father who art in heaven, Holy is your name. Holy is your name. In the Old Testament, Jewish worshipers regarded the name of God as as absolutely sacred. So much so that when the New Testament or the Old Testament scribes would be writing out Scripture, they would use a brand new quill every time that they wrote God's name. It was absolutely set apart. And it was considered irreverent to actually speak his name. Think about that. It was so holy to them that they didn't even want to speak the words. In fact, here's what they did. Religious leaders took two names for God that you might recognize, Adonai and Yahweh, and they took the vowels from the first and the consonants from the second, and they came up with their own word, Jehovah, because they felt that they could speak that word without dishonoring the holy name of God. That's how reverent it was to Old Testament scholars and worshipers. And Jesus is demonstrating for us in here that when we start with God's holiness in the Lord's Prayer, we're recognizing that prayer is not primarily for our needs. We're not going to our Father just to say, I need something. But primarily, it's to glorify Him. It's to say, my Father who dwells above all creation, the eternal king, you are holy and you are set apart. You are worthy of praise. You're worthy of glory. You're worthy of honor. David said this when he was writing in the Psalms. He said, glorify the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. And then he wrote again later in Psalm 103, He said, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And this outline of the Lord's Prayer reflects a lot of those prayers that David prayed when he declared the majesty and holiness of God before he made any requests. He started by worshiping God, by praising God before any of his requests. In fact, we see that modeled in most biblical prayers, praise prior to petition. Praise first, petition afterwards. There's a sequence 
that Jesus laid out here in the Lord's Prayer. And the first part of this prayer, this first sentence that we've looked at today, is the foundation for the rest of what we're going to be studying through the next few weeks here. Prayer begins with the person of God and with his praise. That's what Jesus modeled for us. In fact, in this opening line today, we see both our close, intimate relationship with God and the reverential honor that is due him because he's the king of all creation. That's why, again, this this sermon today is entitled The Person of Prayer. This is who we're praying to. This is not just the first line that allows you to get to your requests. This is not just, um, let's let's get into this, let's let's get through this. It's not like a, um, dear God, and, and you're writing a letter, dear God, and now let's get to the bulk of it. This is actually a substantial piece of this entire prayer. That you would start your communication with the Lord and acknowledging who he is, connecting with him relationally, recognizing his position as the king over all creation throughout all eternity, and acknowledging the holiness of who he is before you speak one word of petition. This is a model that Jesus laid out for us. An expanded version of this first sentence could read, My Father, I thank you for adopting me into your family as your child. You are my good, good Father, and you're filled with love and favor for me. You're enthroned above the heavens and the earth. You're the eternal king over all of creation, and you have absolute authority over everything. Your name is above all things. You're set apart from all that is evil. You are holy, you are righteous, and you are good, and you're worthy of all of our honor and all of our praise. Now, I want to encourage you guys. Jesus modeled for us to begin our prayers in this manner. I really want to encourage you through this six-week series, we want to make prayer a major emphasis, not just that it's never been important in your life or never been important in this church, but we really want to draw it to the surface. And I want to encourage you to do something. I want to encourage you to take what we're outlining here, what Jesus outlined in the Lord's Prayer, and to actually begin to practice it in your prayer life, not just in reciting the Lord's Prayer together as we're going to do in just a moment, but that you would go home and and tonight before you go to bed or tomorrow morning when you wake up or whenever you pull apart, pull aside from all the busyness and you just get alone with God, that you would practice this model that Jesus gave us. And you wouldn't go to God with your list of needs first. You wouldn't lead with that, but that you would start by acknowledging your relationship with him. One that you didn't earn, one that you didn't qualify for or deserve, one that God, out of his great love for you, extended and adopted you into his family. That you acknowledge his love and his favor that he has for you in your life. And that you would move from that into a moment of saying, you're not just my dad, but you're the king. You created all of this. You are over 
heaven and earth, and not just for a moment, but for all of eternity. You have absolute authority over all things, and that's why I come to you. You're different than everything else. You're set apart. There is no evil in you. You're holy. You're righteous. You're good. You are worthy of all of my praise. That you would practice that in your prayer life. That it would be a moment of really praise and worship of who God is. The person of prayer is your main focus. And it's how Jesus started this prayer. And we'll find out it's actually how he ended this prayer as well. And praise and worship of the God who we're praying to. And it begins by lifting the Father to his rightful position of honor and praise. Now, our prayer is that God would be regarded as holy even in a fallen world that we live in. In fact, the essence of evangelism is that people everywhere would hallow God's name. That people across this whole earth would hallow the name of our Lord. And they would do that by allowing him to be the Lord of their life. And if you're here today and you've, you've never done that, or maybe you find yourself in a position where, where you'd, you'd pray to prayer and you'd ask God to become the Lord of your life, but you, maybe, you, maybe circumstances got difficult for you, or maybe they got really easy, because there's a lot of reasons why we like to take the reins back. But maybe you find yourself in a position where you, you took the controls back. And you recognize today that that control, that, that leading place in your life belongs to the king of all eternity. It belongs to your father who loves you dearly. And before we close today, I just want to give you an opportunity to maybe make that commitment for the very first time. Or maybe it's a recommitment of just saying, God, I want you back in your rightful place. Being the king of my life, being my Lord. So if that's you today... I just want to encourage you. Uh, I'm going to invite you guys to bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here today and you want to make God the Lord of your life, I invite you to pray this prayer with me today. You can say, God, I thank you for your great love for me. And today I want to say yes to joining your family. And so, God, I ask that you would be not only my father, but you would also be my Lord today. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins so that I could have a brand new life. Please forgive me and bring me into the family of God now, I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, there's one thing that we want to be able to do with you today, and that's just we want to be able to celebrate. In fact, would you guys take a moment and congratulate those who prayed that prayer today? As we wrap up, here's what I'd like to ask. Um, if that was, if you prayed that prayer with me just a moment ago, maybe it was a recommitment of coming back to the Lord or just a brand new start for you, I want to encourage you to do something for me. On the back of your connection card, there's a box that says, yes. It, yes, I made a commitment. I said yes to Jesus today. And at the end of our service today, we're going to have some prayer teams up here um, praying for the needs of our entire congregation. And here's what I'd like to encourage you to do. If you prayed that prayer today, I want to encourage you to take that card, check the box, put your name on it, and drop it off with one of these prayer teams up here. They would love to just take a moment, not, not to keep you here, but to take a moment and just speak a blessing over you as you begin this new walk with the Lord. 
So here's what we've done. We've talked about this, just the first sentence in the Lord's Prayer, recognizing that it's more than a memorized prayer that we recite, but it's an outline as well that Jesus laid out for us, recognizing the relationship we have with God as our Father and the position that he is as King and the honor that's due him because of his holiness. This morning, as we recite now together the Lord's Prayer, I want to encourage you to think about these words, maybe not in a a different way, maybe just a renewed way, maybe a very intentional way. That as Jesus said, it's not empty, empty repetition, but it's meaningful prayer that you're bringing to the Father today. Would you guys join me as they put the words up on the screen today? And let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.